Hey everyone and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 75 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I talk to Tom Spencer Smith, who is the developer on Army 21, which is a multiplayer action strategy game that supports up to 60 players at once. Uh, Seems kind of crazy, but uh, also pretty cool at the same time. So, hope you enjoy the show. If you want to find out more information about Army 21, head on over to darkstation.com. You can find the show notes for this episode, and all of the information is there. If you want to follow us on Twitter to find out when other interviews are going live, you can check us out at darkstation underscore com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, give us a review. We would love to know what you think. And finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you for listening. Now on with the show. I'm doing very good, thank you. Awesome. Uh, thanks for contacting me. I'm happy to do, do an interview with you. Oh, well, thank you. We're we're glad to have you on here. It's uh it's actually a little weird. Uh, we haven't done an interview since before Christmas, and so I I feel like it's been like years since I've done this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're more practiced at it than me, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to be back in the saddle, and I'm glad to to have you here with us tonight uh, to talk about Army 21. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's talk a little bit about who you are and, and what you do at uh, Indiegama. So I'm Tom Spencer-Smith, and uh, I'm a former AAA developer gone indie, just like numerous other AAA developers do at some stage in their career. I uh, got my start in the games industry at Westwood Studios uh, many years ago, and I was there for about five years until they... Uh, closed up shop basically mm-hmm. after that um, I got picked up for contract work consulting work <clears throat> and that became pretty much a habit for about 10 years a long period of 10 years in between that I was working on um, my own projects <clears throat> and got started on, on my game um, Army 21 in, a, in an earlier version of the game I would say but uh Never really had enough time to to work on it full time until this last year, until um, basically the beginning of 2014. So that's what I've been doing since then. <clears throat> okay, so you've been working kind of solely on Army 21 for about the last year or so. That's right. I, I, there was some full time work on on an earlier version in the you know quite a number of years ago, but yes, this last year has been full time Army, Army 21. So when when you say an earlier version is are there is, is there still a lot of pieces of that earlier version or a year ago did you just kind of like start clean and and start from there? No, it is an evolution of the earlier title, okay. um, which uh, was never publicly announced or anything. It would, it had some some people playing it and testing it, but I I basically got swamped with my contract work, my consulting work, and it was always on the back burner. Sure. So I always wanted to come back to the title to give it the attention it deserves, which is what I've done now. <clears throat> Very cool. Very cool. 
Well, so is it is it just you at uh, Indigama? It's just me. Okay. That's right. Yep. Very cool. Now, uh, what what kind of besides uh, being able to to work fully on on this game that you've obviously obviously been working on for a while? Uh, what kind of I guess led you towards going to the the indie scene as opposed to continuing to work with the AAA? Um. Well, I'd always wanted to to do my own title. I guess most AAA developers who have a creative desire always secretly burn to do to do their own title, right? <clears throat> so um, it was really a matter of timing, you know. the The contract work, I you know, I I kind of tried to move away from it at, at the end there, and and. Uh, Wanted to, to uh, you know, go full time on this and, and see see where it leads. So that's where I am now. Okay, cool. What, <clears> what's <throat> it been like this this first year of kind of you know doing your own thing? Uh, well, actually, last year was was enjoyable because I I was full time developing. You know, I'm, I'm a programmer. Uh, we like to build the game more than we like to market the game. This year, <laughs> this year I, I'm into the marketing side. So the last few months, I've been building assets and and press releases and all the various things you need. You know, <clears throat> getting all the ducks in a row. Um, so for for a basic, somebody who's basically a programmer, this is not not as much fun, but it's it's necessary. You know, I've got to. It's a it's a multiplayer title. I've got to go and find players, sure. um, populate the, ser- the servers. So this is the first step, you know, announcing to the press to get some awareness of the game. Hopefully, get some some players coming in is the, is the first step. So uh, once once there's a bit more flow, I will be um, developing at the same time as. You know, handling PR side of things like building up the community and social media and all that stuff. I'll be developing concurrently, so that that will be, I was obviously more enjoyable. The thing that I really enjoy is iterating with um, a player community. It's something I did did at Westwood on one title, mm-hmm. Renegade, uh, PC title. That that was probably my favorite experience in my whole game development career. Is is iterating with uh, a, a beta community to make a, a product extremely fun. So that's what I that's what I want to do um, over the next few months, over the next probably year. Okay. <clears throat> cool. Now, uh, just to you mentioned Renegade. Is that the Command and Conquer Renegade, the first-person shooter? That's right. That oh, cool. That yeah, I, I was the lead online programmer on on that title. Awesome. So. It it uh, has some influence on this game. This Army Twenty One is very different, but there are some a few similarities. I, I guess the main thing is that it's, my game is not a shooter. It's it's uh, it's more strategy in, than action. It's it's about base warfare. Um, shooting other players is really a very small part of it. It's you know maybe for defense, but it's mainly about destroying the buildings and and. And uh, deciding which buildings to build, and above all, teamwork. You know, it's all about teamwork. That's kind of what I enjoy. <clears throat> That's cool. awesome. 
Um, so before we go like right into Army 21, I, a weird process question for you. Um, just because I'm real interested as far as, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of the studio by itself. Um, and with more kind of, as you said, marketing this year, taking away from your programming time, how do you, how do you like split that up for yourself? I, I probably don't do it the right way. What, what I've done with this game is I've, I've done no social media or anything until recently, until, you know, until this launch period, you know, this alpha launch period. This is probably not the right way to do it. Um, you should, you should be going out on social media as soon as you have something to show, basically, and slowly building up your, you know, fans and interest and community throughout. But <clears throat> for a solo indie, that's pretty difficult because, you know, if you spend a few hours a day on that side of things, then you're taking a few hours a day out of out of pure development, and you, you're just going to delay um, getting the title to a, a more ready state. Mm-hmm. So, so. <laughs> It's 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 difficult. Um, yeah, my my approach is probably different from most. It's if I had to do it again, I would I would probably do it the other way. I I would try to build social social awareness, social media, as more as I went. But um, this is where I am now. You know, I I, I you know I basically I chose to go full time on the on the um, PR side of things for you know a few months after getting the alpha stable rather than the other the other the other approach does that answer your question yeah absolutely i was just it was really interesting how like <clears throat> you know i go to work and this is unfortunately not my day job but i go to work and and you know i have a boss who kind of directs my time and although when i'm lucky i kind of get to pick and choose what i'm doing during that time right. uh but you know for you know you are not only your own boss but you are your own studio so I'm always interested in in how you kind of like portion your time, especially when you're like you know you come from a programming background. That's what you like to do. That's what you enjoy to do, or that's what you enjoy doing. So to kind of pull yourself away from that knowingly and go, no, 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 I have to do this, or the rest of this isn't going to go forward. I just always found that 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 kind of like back and forth with yourself, uh, kind of a very interesting thing. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> If if I could easily find somebody to to jump in and do the the whole PR side of things, I would be happier. But how how do you find that person who who can work unpaid, you know, <laughs> in, until until the game is That's making money the key. <laughs> to, to do PR, right? So right. so you know most most indie developers or small teams have you know somebody has to do it. If you're lucky, somebody really really likes that side of things, but. You know, once I get some players coming in and iterating with you know, with the community and perhaps getting them involved in promoting the game, you know, mm-hmm. spreading the word, then then it'll it'll be you know more fun, more more interesting. Um, but you know, I've done I've done the basic the groundwork, you know, culminating in my my alpha press release announcement. I've got I've got most of the bits and pieces in place. So. Um, I'm I'm at the point where I can start to get some feed, you know, getting some feedback from from previews and impressions and whatnot, so I, I know what to address. So you know, I think I'm in a good position. I'm I'm happy with the way things are going. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, you know, you you made a choice, and now you've got something not only to to kind of show people, but something that plays that they can put their hands on. Definitely. So I think at the end, like you said, it's different. 
but it still sounds, you know, obviously we'll see how viable it is, but it still sounds like this is going to deliver results. Yep, I'm hoping. So with Army 21 itself, what what are we dealing with here? It's, you know, the it's kind of billed as the Army of the 21st Century. I'm seeing a lot, a lot of spider bots. What's happening? So the, the concept is, I don't know if you're familiar with the story or the movie Ender's Game, <clears throat> where... Um, like basically, a, a simulation machine. Yeah, there's a... There's a simulation. Ender's game is based around uh, the idea that that you can build, build, find commanders through gameplay. But it's it's a real, it's a physical combat. It's like it's a, it's a playing field where you know people participate. My my concept is, what if in the future a soldier is somebody who sits behind a computer and and controls remote assets, does things um, purely through a computer screen. Um, <clears throat> then how do you find people who are good at that? How do you find people who have brilliant strategic minds? Well, why not just, you know, through a video game that, that has enough depth and complexity to to expose players who have, you know, that that kind of mind. So that's kind of the fiction behind behind this game, is that this is an army, that people who play it are all, all ranked every time you play it, you know everything is ranked. The people at the top of my leaderboard, if I if I get the equations right, will have not only great skill <clears throat> um, as you know a strategic mind, but also leadership skills. Um, I, I take into account uh, your 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 reputation, your experience. Uh, these are all built into into my game. So um, that's really the concept. You know, what if what if this was a real army? What if if this became so massively popular and the people at the top were so incredibly skilled that they they were militarily significant that you know this could be somebody who could you know could um, be a military leader in the future that's basically the idea so the 21 is the 21st century army 21 the army of the 21st century this is actually um, a, a term, a military term used by a few governments around the world to for their vision of the future of the army. Except their vision is still based on physical soldiers. My vision is is more based on people controlling remote assets through a computer screen. Is that clear? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so the. <laughs> They're they're you're they're controlling this through simulation. What what are they driving? Because these well, things no, look wild. Well, <laughs> yeah, these are those are just bot-like creatures. Um, so this simulation is not supposed to be what what the war of the future looks like. the The game itself is is a tool for finding soldiers. It's not it's not that this is what. This is this is this is the the this is the tool to find them, not the actual what they do yes. when they are. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah that, it's, it's similar to Ender's game in a way. The, the actual gameplay um, could could be completely different. It's it's the tool itself that matters. That how do you find those people? That that is the the concept here. So I haven't tried to make something that looks like any kind of uh, you know realistic combat. It's it's just a playing field, you know. 
find people who have strategic minds who can conquer, you know, who can rise above a hundred thousand other players to the top somehow. So it's not even so much uh, the idea of like a training simulator. It's it's how you weed through and find the people that you want in your army. That is the objective of, of that is the what the game produces is right. an army. Um, obviously, to to make it successful, the game has to be fun. You know, what, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it has to be you know extremely addictive and fun, which I think it is when you know when you have some players in there, it's extremely fun. Um, but yeah, no, it's not a it's not a simulation of war in in any kind. It's it's uh, an abstraction. It's like a chess game. Okay. So How'd you decide on like sixty players <coughs> and six different teams? Um. Well, sixty players is is an arbitrary limit. You can play with any number of players. Um, you can play by yourself, in which case you're you're probably going to be comp- competing against best time or best points or trying to raise your difficulty level. You can you can play with a few players, which is a lot of fun actually, even with just a few players. Six players is really nice because there's one player on each team. And then anything up to 60 players, an arbitrary limit I chose. It, it may be able to handle more players, but until I actually see it, I, I don't know. Um, it's designed <clears throat> to work well on the internet, to be very network friendly, bandwidth friendly, latency friendly, which is kind of my part of my expertise. Um, so there are a lot of specific design decisions related to that. The six teaming thing um, is just it's it's to me it's a fun dynamic to have players on six teams and you're fighting to be the last team standing and as each team is defeated, you're joined on to the remaining teams. It's um, it, you know it's very unique. People are not used to it, but it's a fun dynamic. That's what I believe. So now you said that um, when when your team is taken, you get shuffled into the other team. So you don't stop playing because you're you're dead or anything. You you continue no. to play. Your allegiance just changes. That's right. It it would never work if if you're out of the game after your team is defeated. Nobody would ever play, right? So so um, you're you're playing for points. Um, so when your team is defeated, you're gonna you're gonna have next points. Basically, points are cal- calculated based on how many buildings your team destroys and how many times your team is defeated or how many times you suffer a team defeat. So the people at the end of the game on the last team have suffered no team defeats. They will will have the highest points. Hmm. But regardless, every player continues to play throughout the entire entire game. It's just they're going to have less points because they've taken some team defeats. Um, That's necessary because nobody's going to play, you know, stick around if, if they're sitting on the sidelines after, after the team is defeated. Mm-hmm. Also, the game is um, late join or drop in. Um, you don't have to get 60 players together. You know, people will be joining throughout the match um, until the game is full, basically. So there's no, there's no difficulty in, in accumulating a set of players and then pressing a start button or anything like that. It's, it's drop in, drop out gameplay. Or late join gameplay, join in, that's, join in progress. That's really cool, especially when you, you look at some of the like other kind of online games where you need like a, a small set of people in order to start something. And if the community's not there, you're sitting at a loading screen for who knows how long. 
Yep, yep. yep. I have. So based on my experience in the in online gaming, I I know these major problems. I mean, the I, I mentioned in my press release this chicken and egg problem of of online gaming for for an unknown developer is that the game is not fun until there are a bunch of players, but that there aren't going to be any players until the game is fun. So it's chicken and egg, mm-hmm. um, and and that the way that you have to solve that is is by making the game fun with very few players or or even no players, which is why it's all fleshed out with bots. Um, when there's no players, you will be buying bots for your team, and all the other teams will have bots on them who are also buying bots for their team. So it'll it plays similar to how it plays with humans. Um, and as you go, the the difficulty level gets higher and higher. Um, so it it becomes very challenging, even playing by myself. You know, I can jump in and play for a few hours by myself, just trying to get through a particular difficulty level, um, and it's and it's fun. You know, I can I can spend hours doing that. But even with just a few players, it is you know it is so much more fun. So I, I just you know I'm waiting to see it with sixty players. You know, it I think it will be very intense. Very fun. There will be, you know, amazing teamwork that comes out. Um, and then in the future, I'd, I would want to support clan play, where, where you can specify, where you can join a clan, and your players, you know, all the players on your team, on your clan, will automatically be joined onto the same team. Where, whenever you're in a clan game, that's hmm. something in the future. You know, that's something that I would probably save for for my Kickstarter. Okay, very cool. Now, would you would it still work the same way with a, a clan game that you get split up into the other teams when your team dies, or or when um, you defeated? It it may do. That's undecided. Okay. Um, or they could or they could be out. They could be spectators. Or maybe it would be an option. That's that's something I have to decide. Sure. But uh, yep, Which, whichever works best in practice. You know, something would have to be tested. Right. Now, uh, earlier in the, the interview, you mentioned that it's not really a shooter, but if you watch, you know, one of the videos, it's, yeah, you know, it's from a first-person perspective. You're you're shooting out, like, lasers and destroying buildings and, and stuff like that. So what what is the, the, the meat of the game if, it, if it's not shooting? What are you actually doing in Army 21? Um. Yeah, so it's I call it action strategy, but I like to say it's more strategy um, because because it's uh, you're you're building up your your own base. It's going to be a team effort to have a, a set of buildings in your base that that's um, that's strong. So mm-hmm. every, everybody's going to be everybody gets money from you know income. Basically, when you destroy buildings, you get you get money. You get money back, you know, um, a fraction of the money that each building cost comes to your team when you destroy it. And that money is shared out among the different players on your team. So everybody is building stuff in your base. So with a good team, people will be building the right, the right stuff, you know, sensible things. Um, so that is, that is a good part of it. Um, but it's going to be, you know, teamwork is like we need people to attack, we need people to defend, we need people to build up the base, we need people to repair stuff, um, and and go and destroy the other bases. You know, there's there's five other teams to destroy. Which one do we attack strategically? Um, 
So it takes some skill to destroy buildings without being shot yourself by the turrets. Um, you have to learn how to do that. You basically you circle the base and, and attack it mm-hmm. rather, rather than approaching directly. But, but really, um, it's not about shooting other players at all. You know, you can shoot players who are coming into your base, but it's not that kind of action. Um, that doesn't actually... Shooting other players for no reason doesn't actually help. So it's, that's kind of good because it's not much fun to be shot every 10 seconds by somebody, right? Sure. So, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so when so, if you die, do you just respawn back at your base? And yes. Is it, is it really your, your base that you're, you're trying to save? That's, that's the, the lifeline that, you're, that keeps you in that's the game. Right. Okay. That's right. When, when your base is gone, your team is... That's it. Your your team is your base. When your base is destroyed, your team is disbanded. And your team is defeated. Gotcha. So you have to you have to build the buildings in your base and maintain them and protect them. At the same time, destroy all the other bases of the other teams. And pe- you can build anywhere. You can build anything anywhere. Um, so that that's another thing that's quite kind of unique about it. But normally you want to build you know one or two probably one very strong base than, than several weaker bases, which will be easily taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's quite unique, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, what, what sort of resources are you dealing with in terms of building your base? Are you having to go out and get anything, or is, uh, is something like currently, or constantly building up as you, you just play and survive? Um, so it's it's just money. Okay. So you you spend money to buy buildings. You have an initial budget for each for for a team when when you start the game, which is divided about out among the players. You build your buildings. When you destroy a building, you get back a fraction of the money that that was spent building each building. So hmm. if a building costs two thousand and I destroy it, I might get one thousand back for my team, kind of thing. Okay. So. And I can control the rate, obviously, at, at which that happens. So if I find that the game is playing too fast with a certain number of players, I could I could change the percentage of money that you get from destroying a building and and adjust how long the game is going to last to get some sort of ideal duration for a game. So um, basically, you're going out and, and attacking bases and and earning money, you know, and that money goes to your whole team and then is divided out among your team. So it doesn't really matter if you're defending or, or, or attacking, you, you know, everyone gets a share of the money. Each time you get shot dead, you know, when the, normally by the base, the defenses of the base killing you or players or whatever, you, you will respawn back into your base if you have a building called a respawner. Respawner is the one that brings you back to your base, so it's important to have that. And then you've, so you've got some money now, so you spend that money either on building new buildings or on upgrading uh, buildings, or on upgrading players, actually. There's an upgrade mechanism where you shoot at the upgrade weapon at either a building or a player, and they they go to the next upgrade level. They get slightly better in most regards. Um, and there's, that's arbitrary. There's, no, there's no, no upper limit to how much you can upgrade something. So that's the basic gameplay. Okay. Attack, attack, respawn, uh, spend your money, or you can give your money to somebody on your team to to take care of you know to work on that side of things. Like if you're if you're out and about, 
destroying bases happily and and doing good work. You can give your money to your team, and then it'll go back to other players who might be at the base whose whose role is is to um, maintain the base. So there's a lot of scope for you know teamwork. You're going to see teams that work together brilliantly, like clockwork. In the future, that's what you'll see. And you know, at that point, when I have enough players to support clans, that's going to be a critical thing. People will want to play. You know, they will have a very elite group of people that they want to play with against other other groups. So, but you know, that that has to come later when I have critical mass, a critical mass of players. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Now, um, and on the the website, it mentions that the game also has co-op in addition to. You know, more traditional like versus uh, type multiplayer. What? How does the co-op work? So the co-op is is all the players on one team. It it won't be sixty players for co-op because it probably it wouldn't work. So it, I've set the limit for co-op at fifteen players just for gameplay reasons. So um, those players will always be kept together. Fifteen players will be I put onto a team and um, and the other teams are manned by bots and. Then you go at it just like just like a normal regular gameplay, except that when your team is defeated, your all your players will, will take over one of the other bot teams. Hmm. So basically, basically you're trying to trying to get to the end and be undefeated by the bots. And um, <clears throat> it's all done dynamically on on difficulty levels according to the difficulty levels of the different players. It averages them out and picks a difficulty level to to play against the bots. Um, the way that difficulty works is the bots get slightly smarter as difficulty increases. The money in the game, the starting money in the game increases. So when you're playing a very high level, there's a lot of money in the game and the bases are big and there's a lot going on. And <clears throat> um, the number of bot teams that, that are deliberately targeting your team also increases as the difficulty increases. So at the very top level, all the bot teams are targeting your um, co-op team. Basically, it, it's uh, difficult. You'll need you'll need pretty good teamwork to to beat level fifty co-op or some of the other levels. Actually, gotcha. So instead of um, <coughs> instead of like with a regular multiplayer where it's going from you know a large amount of teams uh, slowly until you know it's just two big teams fighting. This is staying the same number of teams, but eventually having it to where yeah, it's it's like all against one. Well, it's it's the same teaming dynamic, except for all the humans are, are always on one team. So they will okay. take over. They will take over a bot team um, when when their team is defeated and play against the remaining bot teams. So. Um, Bot, bots are not um, when a team a bot team is defeated the bots in fact any bots in the game are not uh, tra- you know moved on to other teams they 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 are destroyed okay. it's only human, it's only humans that that stay stay in the game gotcha so so when a, a bot team is defeated you take over for the bot team not if you're defeated you get absorbed into the bot team you don't get absorbed. Yeah, when you're defeated, when your team is defeated, you take over a bot team. You just, you know, your team takes over their color, basically. You take over their base. Um, but you've suffered a, 
a, a points penalty. You know, you're, you're not going to yeah, you're not going to do as well. You know, and, and the, the the leveling system is is not integral. Um, it's not level one, level two. It, it's there are sub levels based on how many teams you defeat. So, if if you can ultimately, if if you can defeat all five teams, that's great. That that's the the ideal. You end up as the sole remaining team. But if you defeat four teams, it's still good. It's still better than defeating three teams or one team or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it, the leveling system understands that, you know, and and records that and and tells you you've been promoted partially. You know, you're, you you beat three three teams on this level, for example. Gotcha. How, how are the uh, how are the <clears throat> maps and kind of like the geography working? Um, I noticed that there's a there's a note that says infinite maps, and it's just is that just the uh, the playing field? Is there anything that's really designed by that, or is it just like kind of algorithms that go out and, and build stuff? No, it's all procedural. So the maps okay. are generated procedurally, mathematically. Um, it takes a split second. Um, it, it's done on the server. The you know the maps. I, I host the the whole back ends of the game, the game servers. Um, the, and the master server and everything. So, so on the game server, um, there is there is the terrain, which is elevation basically, <clears throat> and sea level. On the game client is is the same data uh, generated procedurally, but um, the rendering, you know, with the rendering on the client, which is server server obviously doesn't have to worry about. So. Um, so, so there are infinite maps. You will, you will never see the same map in your life, um, <laughs> because there are, you know, billions of possibilities. So that's um, not, it's not even like a choice thing. Where like, you know, I kind of like this kind of stuff. It's like whatever you get, this is where you are. Yes, and and the teams are placed randomly around. So um, you you can, like I said, you can build anywhere. So you're given an initial starting location a spawn location but you can you can go off and, and move somewhere if you ha- if you're quick enough you can um, move to another location on the map perhaps an edge or somewhere where you feel safer or behind some water or something and and build there you know <clears throat> or, or if your team if your team is under attack and your base is almost destroyed well there might be somebody on your team who's saved up a lot, lot of money and found a, a a great defensible spot and and start building up a new base there as long as you have at least one building you're not defeated right it mm-hmm. it always it comes down to that last building when that last building's gone then you're defeated hmm. so i guess that's another fairly unique aspect is build build anything anywhere you can even attack you can even build attack buildings to attack another base it's it's difficult to do um because you have to build a whole set of things to 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 be able to attack a, a base that has repairing units and power units and and lasers and you know it's not easy to attack another base with a base I'm saying but it's possible <laughs> just build it just like start popping up shop right next to somebody else yeah typically in in a late stage of attacking a base if you want to expedite things, you know, if the base is extremely weak, they may have little power, they may have no lasers, uh, they may not even have any turrets, then you can just build some turrets and, and power to support it and, and take out the remaining buildings that way. 
So almost like a almost like an old school siege where you just pop up your weapons outside of there and you just wait them out. That's that's right. Um, another thing is maybe maybe you're attacking a base and and you know you're you're attacking each other and your base is very weak and his base is very weak and and you take over his location, you destroy his base, and then you build a new base right there and then. You know that to take his location. Maybe it's better than your your location. So this is all part of the, of the strategy. It's it. The game seems simple, but actually there's a lot of strategy in it. And that idea of kind of picking up and moving right when you're about to get defeated sounds real, real interesting. Does that is there like a a mini map or somewhere where those bases show up, or is it if you have like one real good guy who's great at just kind of dipping around folks, can you kind of drop a couple things and almost kind of keep yourself hidden? Um, <clears throat> you can use the terrain. You can hide behind hills and stuff. There is a mini map in the in the corner of the screen. Um, which which shows the dimensions of of the game. You have to build a building called a radar to have any visibility on that, and you can you can upgrade that radar to increase your visibility. So you should be able to you know if if somebody goes off into a corner and builds a new base and then builds a radar, everybody on the team will see, see it. You know, and if if your own team is under you know being destroyed and you see that somebody on your team has built a new base off in the corner then you should probably head up there and contribute your money to the same place. Hmm. So, again, teamwork, you know. The, the great teams will, will work perfectly in unison. Um, <clears throat> you, know, when, you know, when people get a certain amount of skill, they will, they will know what to do. And, and there's a ranking system in the game. <clears throat> you, you know, when you start out, you're a private. You try to work your way up all the way to a general. So... You will see what what the different player ranks are on on your team, uh, and um, the higher ranks get more team money than you. <clears throat> basically, because new players may build silly silly things, they don't really know what they're doing. They may build radars or whatever out in the wilderness where they're going to be destroyed instantly. So they get some money, but they get less than than a, a higher rank player. So there is a there is kind of a, a rank ranking dynamic you should typically follow the lead of your higher rank players on your team <clears throat> it's um both strategically and and as a political thing because there's a there's a whole reputation system there's a voting system in the game um yeah is that clear yeah yeah so so no stealth building <laughs> <laughs> There, there isn't any any stealth mechanism really, except that you can build. If you build build behind a hill, maybe you find a corner that's 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 behind a hill, then nobody can see it. The bots can't see it. You know, there's there's line of visibility checking. Mm-hmm. If nobody can see it, then you know, then it could remain hidden. You know, you you know, you don't actually know. You know how many teams there are in the game, but you don't actually know without building out your radar. You know, without getting complete radar coverage. You don't know where the other teams are. You don't know how strong they are until you actually go and find them. Okay. Right? So you could you could pretend that you could even pretend that you have a small base that you're weak, that you're not a threat, but actually off in some corner behind a hill you could have a massive highly defensible base. Um 
or you could even do a strategy where your team is pretending to be weak so that so that you know you're not a threat and other teams are taking out the bigger teams and then but you're actually saving up a lot of money and when the moment is right bam you you stick down an enormous base somewhere you know you build up or you build up your base to a great strength you know when when the other teams have pretty much exhausted themselves now now the truth comes out that you're actually very strong now that uh, that actually brings up an interesting point. Uh, how are teams divided up when one team gets defeated? So, say if if red team is is just kicking butt and it it takes out blue team, uh, does blue team just go into red team, or does blue team get split up among all of the other teams? It gets split among all teams. Okay. Um, the the idea is to have an equal number, roughly equal number of players on on each team, and Hopefully, a, 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 you know, roughly an equal skill distribution on onto all teams. Okay. So, try try to keep things balanced so that so that it's fun, right? Okay. So so in that in that scenario where you're just saving up money, building up your base, um, to kind of to face the the final onslaught when there when there's only a, one other team left, it's not going to be you with your original players versus essentially every other <laughs> player in the game. <laughs> No, no. You'll, you'll, you'll be have, growing with them. You'll have inherited your your share of other other players. That's, that's you know, good and, <laughs> and and players are always motivated to do their best for every team. So you might actually be fighting a team one moment, and then on that team later when your team is defeated. But you're still motivated to fight for that team because of the the point system. You know, it's all about trying to get good points. You know, whatever you want to have as as few defeats throughout the game as you as you can personally so if you you know you get defeated once but now you're on another team and you can somehow help that team to get through to the end then you've only suffered one defeat and your your score in the game is going to be better than most of the other players and that's what matters okay cool uh now you mentioned that you're you're going to be doing a kickstarter here before too long <laughs> Are you? How's how's the prepping going for that? I haven't started prepping for that. That's okay. going to take. I, I know that you need to do a couple of months, probably prep just for the. I, I plan to do a, a simultaneous green, green light and Kickstarter. Okay. Uh, and I plan to spend a few months on it, but that has to happen as the as I get players in the game, as I get the community built up, as I as I figure out what people want to see changed about the game or, or improved. Mm-hmm. I've, got some, I've got some ideas, but they're my own preconceptions. I want to see what the player community wants. That will inform me about what I should be doing in the Kickstarter, you know, what, what is the most important things that I can do for the Kickstarter. Because the game, the game is already stable and live and running and everything, um, but there are changes to be made. So the question for the Kickstarter is, when am I going to... What's that Kickstarter going to deliver, right? So I have to figure that out, and I have to prepare for the Kickstarter, um, and I have to build up the community of you know support for for those things, so that when they start out, they're not going from zero. So that will be later in the year, possibly, probably at least a few months from now. Okay. Could be mid-year. I'll I just have to see how things go. Sure. sure. And that will be once once I do the Kickstarter and the green light, I would expect. A lot of players to come to the game, you know, similar, you know, all at once. That will be, that will be in the main time when many, many players are playing. Right. So and, until then, I will be building up very slowly, you know, 
building up the community, player base, so on. And then really ratcheting up once you start getting the feedback in and seeing how things go. Yeah, once once you know, once I have a you know a small group of players, and I I know I know from from the press what they think needs changing. I know from the players what they think needs changing. Then I'll I'll know what to do with the Kickstarter exactly. You know, I'll know, I'll know where best to spend my effort as an indie. You know, I have some ideas. I have some you know my own ideas about what I want to do, what what I should do, but you know and. The, the things that you think your preconceptions may not necessarily be what what the players you know, care about. For example, I used to I used to always worry that the edge of my map was basically a wall. You know, there was nothing after you know beyond the edge. Did it matter? Well, I've never had anybody ever complain about it. You know, out of the people who've tried it. So I don't think it it matters. But you know, if I'd made the decision myself, I might have gone and spent effort trying to do something out there on the edge of the map just to make it look better. Whereas with with feedback, I don't think it's important. Mm-hmm. So you know, but that's what I enjoy is interacting with the beta, the alpha community, or the beta community to you know iterate to make the game more and more fun, to get it more and more popular, more and more players, and so on. That's what I want. Awesome, awesome. Well, Brian, do you have anything else before we uh, go into the end game? No, I think we're ready to. To hit the end here. Um, so, like we, we kind of explained at the beginning, we like to end with a little bit of a, a questionnaire. Um, sure. Just more more aimed at you and not necessarily like, you know, the game or the studio or anything like that. Um, okay. So, uh, we'll just go ahead and get into it. Um, question number one. Uh, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Um, my favorite. Maybe Lara. Lara Croft, perhaps. Okay. I, I enjoy Tomb Raider. You know, there, I like it. Is there She's a particular, particular Lara that you like more than one of the others? Um, I think the the last Tomb Raider. You know, the the the, um, the one set on the Japanese island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of like that one. Um, yeah, I did too. <laughs> kind of like everything about that game. Not so sure about the new Tomb Raider, but we'll see. That we will. That we will. Yep. Uh, flipping the coin, second question is, who's your favorite antagonist? My favorite antagonist. Yep. Who's your favorite bad guy? Um, don't really have one, I think. I don't really... I don't think I really remember games for the antagonist. I don't really... Favorite antagonist? Maybe. Well, I, I was at Westwood Studios, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I joined Westwood because I was crazy about their games. I loved their games. I spent <laughs> I spent too many hours playing Westwood games. I basically told Westwood when I joined them that they owed me a job because I spent, <laughs> so, spent so many Damn hours. <laughs> yeah. So Kane, I'll just say Kane. Okay. Absolutely. Kane's a bad dude. <laughs> those are um, fun times. Yeah, those great. Those those early Command and Conquers were were pretty special. <laughs> um, next question: uh, What uh, is there like a, a theme or trope in video games that you'd like to see uh, more of? 
um, something that, that that you really enjoy, but there's just not a lot going on. Well, yeah, um, multiplayer team gameplay. <laughs> kind of what I'm, I'm making. Like, yeah. What I'm what I'm building is 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 what I enjoy is what I don't see as much of. Um, I don't see much depth in multiplayer gaming, really. Um, there's too there's too much, too many games are too similar. Uh, it, it it seems that the indies are the ones who have to innovate and have to do something new. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm one of them. I'm doing something very different, I think, from probably anything else you've seen. Um, but teamwork, you know, multiplayer teamwork is where I think where for me the fun has always been more you know more fun than something that's pre-scripted the dynamics between different different players on a team who have a playing field that's that's complicated enough simple yet complicated you know simple but yet deep mm-hmm. that's what I want to see more of that's I mean that's one of the things I want to see more of um there's there's other things like um i'm not really a fan of 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 the <clears throat> the fashionable trends in gaming like 8 bit retro i don't see why I, I don't really understand why it's popular or why so many people feel that they have to do it mm-hmm. you, know, you know, maybe maybe it's maybe it's just a, a technique for for an indie studio to produce something that, that doesn't have to be AAA, you know, visuals. Because I have this, I have this problem myself: is that people look at Army Twenty One or my stuff, and they expect it to be AAA graphics, like a studio, you know, beautifully rendered, realistic graphics. But but I'm a one-man indie indie studio. Can I not just make a game? That is my question. Can I not just make something that looks okay, looks nice? But doesn't have to compete with AAA graphics. Even though it's a first-person 3D game, can the gameplay not be the important thing? I guess that's <laughs> call it a hobby it horse. Sounds like a question that, that a lot of people are kind of dealing with, mm-hmm. um, especially this this day and age in which the kind of the rise of the indie um, has led kind of a lot to a lot of the 8-bit stuff, but also to a lot of different you know things that just look different. Yeah. Um, and getting through where where they're they're making the point that you know their gameplay is different and that's what's going to set them apart. When you look at a whole sea, you know, AAA games that are you know, I mean, look at Ubisoft's game; they're virtually the same no matter what you're playing. And it's yes. like when you get to that level of of just uh, homogeny, like it, you know, sometimes it takes something that that that's kind of a little bit ugly to break through. True. Well, what I feel is that people should, you know, look at the gameplay before they worry too much about about the graphics. You know, at least for at least for in, you know, look at the gameplay. Yeah, at least for indie games, judge the game based on the gameplay because that's that's probably where indies are spending more of the effort. You know, I, I guess the smart indies are are trying to do some sort of aesthetic, some sort of visual aesthetic. Maybe they're the the most successful ones. Maybe it's something that I have to do, but I wish I'd, I. I kind of wish I didn't have to go and make the game extremely beautiful or realistic or or whatever. If if I could put my game out there as it looks now and have it 
have it succeed, I'd be happy. But, you know, realistically, and that may not be the case. It, it may be that that uh, the visual style, you know, the simplicity of the buildings or whatever is going to be too off-putting to too many players and that I just have to go and spend time making making it, you know, striking, visually striking or attractive or, or whatever. So that's probably one of the things that's going to be on my Kickstarter is making the game look nicer. Mm-hmm. And that'll be something that's really decided by the, you know, like when you get people in and who start playing and start giving you feedback that you, you may find out that it's just as you, you know, just as you want, that they really don't care if the if the gameplay is there, if it's holding up, then, you know, what really does it matter? Well, I, I think they don't care once, they, once they're playing the game, once they get into a multiplayer game and they see how much fun it is, they realize they don't care. But the problem is, both for the press and for the players, to get to that point, they, yeah. have, to, they have to get past. You got to you know, get them the door get, first. You got to get them in the door, and, and that is the critical thing. So, you know, if I was to do another indie game in the future, I, I think first thing you have to do is, unfortunately, you have to make it beautiful, visually striking, some aesthetic, something. You, you're kind of forced to do that, and I think that's kind of unfortunate. You know, if if the game's press would would focus more on the gameplay, that that would that would help solve it. But, you know, the games press may not play the game. They may not get in into a you know into the gameplay enough to, to see the fun of it. So they're they're they're, you know, basing it in in general on their impressions. Right. From what you know, from looking at a few videos or from reading about it or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so next question uh, if you're, you're kind of already doing what you love, um, but if you had the chance to do something else, um, to choose a different profession, follow a different dream, um, is there anything that you'd like to do? Oh well, um, there are a few things I'd like to do. If I was in a position to help people out, you know, and some disadvantaged people in some way, you know. In a third world country or whatever, kids who are facing terrible circumstances or something like that, you know, I could I could see myself doing that as a, as a a lifelong thing. I've also thought, funnily enough, that it would be fun to be a detective, you know, a policeman, because <laughs> I'm I'm a, pro- I'm a programmer. I have a very analytical mind, analytical nature. Mm-hmm. That would be it. Would be a fun to think, you know, fun to. You know, I'm a, I'm a problem solver as a as a developer as a programmer, but so are detectives, right? They have they have a little video game of their own, which is solve this murder, right? The puzzle of their own to solve. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few things like that. But I I I love to engineer. You know, a programmer is an engineer. I love building something out of code, building something out of nothing. You know, when I when I started this game. There was a blank screen, right? And I've engineered, I've constructed. It's like Lego. It's like that is the enjoyment of being a programmer, really. So I'm an engineer, I guess. Absolutely. All right, last two questions. Last two questions can get a little weird. So just uh, just bear with me on this one. It's got a little bit of a build up. All uh, right. Have you ever seen Escape from L.A.? 
Escape from John Life. Carpenter movie, uh, Sneak Plissken. I, I think I may have. Okay. Well, is it? Is it? Wait, is it? Is it the one where L.A. is a prison? Yes. Or is that something? It is. Yes, L.A.s are. They got separated during a large earthquake. Uh, it became a prison to a bunch of undesirables. Yep. And Snake Snake Plissken, uh, Kurt Russell gets sent in to go get the president's daughter. With with an eye patch or something, or is that something yeah, exactly else? exactly okay. eye patch, okay. guns, some sort of weird leather outfit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, at the end of that movie, um, he comes into possession of a. Uh, a remote control for a series of government satellites that will basically EMP the world. Um, so you find out that 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 tomorrow that's going to happen, and we're no longer going to have electricity. Uh, what game do you play tonight? What game do I play tonight? I <laughs> I don't play a game tonight. <laughs> uh, well, if everything was taken care of and you were in a bunker just kind of waiting for it to happen, what game would you play to pass the time? Okay. Um, if I could, I would go back and play Command and Conquer Renegade, just just because I I had so much fun playing that online, right, multiplayer. That that would be something that I'd like to do again with with you know some of the players who were there. I spent so much time playing that, you know, that eventually I had to decide well. I, I want to go and make my own game. I I can you know I need to spend time doing my own thing. So that would be like a a uh, reminiscent thing for me to do, I guess. That's completely acceptable. Uh, final question: um, At the end of our lives, uh, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? I'd like him to say. Hey, I played your game a lot. It was it was hella fun. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> thanks cool, for, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you for making it. I like that. You were the first person to acknowledge the fact that not only are they they making a game, but that Toad would uh, Toad would play it. I I appreciate that. Of course, you would. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, that's that's the end. Uh, fantastic Great. job. Okay, um, thank you guys. Yeah. I'd like to say I had a prize to offer you, but we don't. Uh, however, this will go Not out. So people this. Exactly, right? Sounds good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> You're very welcome. Well, Tom, before we uh, head out, if you could just let our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about Army 21. Well, oddly enough, they can go to army21.com. That works. Uh, that's <laughs> yep. so that's much easier it. to remember than most. Got it. Got it. Part of the reason I chose the name, but it's got everything there. Most important is the big download button. Click that. Download's only six megabytes because it's a procedural game. Mm -hmm. Almost the entire game is mathematically generated. So you can be in the game, playing the game, within like a minute of getting to my homepage. So army21.com, click the download button. That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and wish you the best of luck in the upcoming months as uh, you prep for the green light and the Kickstarter, and continue to to work on the game and and do all that marketing stuff. Uh, good luck, and thanks for being on. Thanks, guys. Thank you.